Okay. Dan, if you guys were awake, you guys are pretty sharp, I tell you what. The whole be seated when you're already seated. Yeah, we have started a series called Two Titus, and you go ahead and turn your Bibles over to the book of Titus this morning. Knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. Thomas Carlyle said that the man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. It just wanders aimlessly to nowhere. And most people are living without purpose. In fact, many churches are being driven by things other than God's stated purposes. The things like the personality of the pastor or some of the programs in the church or the finances or the buildings, various things. But you know, God has a big picture purpose for every person and every congregation. And we discovered in week one of Titus that sound doctrine leads to sound living. And today we're headed into week two. Uh, how many of you still need notes? We've got notes for you this morning. Anybody still need notes? Uh, Bill, we've got a couple. Just raise your hand up and he'll get them right to you this morning as we get started. Uh, as we get started this morning, a couple things I want to remind you of for this week and for the coming week. Uh, tonight at 5.30, we have communion together the Lord's table, and we invite you to come and participate together, prepare your hearts for that. And right after our communion service, uh, we have an annual business meeting for those who give here at Centennial and uh, for those who participate in our congregation. And we would love for you to come and, and be a part of that as well. Uh, we have uh, our budget meeting tonight. It just takes just a few minutes to go over our budget. And then we also will be doing our deacon and officer election this evening. And we're excited about what God is doing in some of those things. So 5.30 tonight. And then also an opportunity I want to let you know about this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have a group from West Coast Baptist College that's going to be here. And we're going to be uh, thrilled to enjoy beautiful music from them. But also, uh, many of you know Dr. Mark Rasmussen, who's been here before. And he's actually leading the tour group. And so he's going to be speaking to us this Wednesday. And if you have never heard Dr. R speak, he is a phenomenal speaker. And we are excited that he gets to be with us this year. And if that's not enough, that we have great singing and great preaching. We also have free pizza and free ice cream. All right. So that's this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And it's for every age. We want the young people to come and meet the young people from this uh, college group. And we want all the adults to come. Uh, so that you can get a blessing out of what God's doing. We support West Coast Baptist College financially, and we're always excited to see what they're doing and have you get to meet them. Having a God-centered, Scripture-stated purpose is going to drive your life in the right direction. And knowing why God has you on planet Earth gives meaning to your life. Paul had left Titus in Crete, we told you last Sunday, to set in order the things that are wanting. To remind the people on this island the why and the what of God's meaning for their lives and for their churches. That's what doctrine is. Doctrine is God's definition of what is right in my life. Maybe you've never heard it put that way. I don't know if I've ever said it that way, but it's true. Doctrine is God's definition of what's right in my life. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration. It's God-breathed. And that it's profitable for four things. 
for doctrine, that's what's right, uh, and then uh, for uh, rebuke and correction and for instruction and in righteousness. And so basically, God's word has been given to us for four reasons. To tell us what's right, to tell us what's not right, to tell us how to get it right, and then to tell us how to keep it right. That's what doctrine is for in our lives. And so God's word is not just some obsolete book. It's not some archaic book that doesn't matter. It's a real book. And this morning we are focused on sound doctrine in Titus chapter 2. And let's go to verses 1 through 10 as we get started this morning. And i tell you what, I haven't had you stand for the reading for a while. Let's stand this morning since we didn't stand for the song. And then when I tell you to be seated, you will actually be standing. It's kind of a paradox, but hang with me and we'll work it out, okay? Uh, Titus chapter 2, first 10 verses. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Father, would you work today in our lives as we talk about sound doctrine. And I pray once again that the word of God which is alive and powerful, would be alive and powerful in our hearts. That your word would come in and go to the place in our lives where we have the deepest need. And may the Spirit of God minister to our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, it's pretty easy to get distracted in life. And I realized this again uh, Yesterday, if, if you have a Costco membership, then you already know this. Uh, I never can figure out how I walk in, I did yesterday, uh, to go and get a box of milk and walk out having paid $97. <laughs> I don't understand how that happens. And, and things catch the eye. Oh, we need some of that. No, that'd be nice for the kitchen. That'd work well for the deck. And we're out of this spice. And I tell you what, by the time you get up to the line... Uh, you've spent a lot more than you ever thought that you would because you get distracted. And life is much the same way as Costco. There are a lot of things out there that are available, and staying focused in life is much harder when we don't rely on God's mission for our direction. If we do it haphazardly, and we kind of do it based on feel, we're not going to follow God the way we should. And as we get into this passage on sound doctrine, I want to review together uh, the focused mission that God has given us as a local church. As I said, it's easy to get distracted. And we said last Sunday 
that it can happen to individuals, it happens to families, it happens to churches. And last week we even talked about how it happens to governments. We get distracted, we get off course, we need things to be set in order. And we need to be reminded quite often of the course that God has called us to. And so as we introduce the message today, I want to just give you uh, kind of the course that we have as a local church. So let's, uh, let's talk about the why of Centennial. The why. Yeah, you could call this our, our vision. Uh, why do we do what we do? We do everything to bring glory to God. That's how simple that is. We do everything we do to bring glory to God. That's our primary vision. That's our number one focus. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that is a perfect test for everything you do. Does it fit this verse? Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And you can even ask yourself the question, does this bring glory to God? Not only is this our vision, it's also the test of every program and every ministry we have as a church. Does this bring glory to God? That's the first question. But there should be other questions as well. Uh, is this expedient for us at this time? Uh, the last year and a half, we've been wanting to build a gymnasium, but it hasn't been expedient. God hasn't opened the door. It hasn't been the right timing. Uh, another question, is this in agreement with the scriptural mission that God has given us? And, and so the first thing we ask is, does this bring glory to God? That's the why of what we do. But then there's the what of Centennial. Yeah, the what. And our what here is a simple statement. It's up on the wall in the lobby. We talk about it all the time. Our serve teams go through it every Sunday. Here's what it is. Serving God by serving others. Five words. So simple. That's our mission. That's the purpose for the church. And we didn't come up with it on our own. We didn't say, you know what? Let's go discover what our purpose should be. No, we opened up the old black book, the Bible, and we found that God has already given the purpose for the local church and that Jesus set it forth in two places, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And uh, let's talk through it just a minute. Uh, maybe you don't know these things, and it's good for us to, to, from time to time, be reminded. There are five undeniable, unassailable purposes that we find in the New Testament for the local church. And they are worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry. And let's talk about how we've stated them here at Centennial, because this is sound doctrine. This is how we do what God has told us to do. And we talk first about serving God through worship. Serving God through worship. And Jesus said in the Great Commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And I hope you know that worship is not a church service. Worship is not a song. Worship is a continuous lifestyle of bringing glory to God. That's what worship is. Worship is much more than just coming to church once a week. Worship is much more than praying for your meal. Uh, worship is much more than giving an offering. Worship is the scriptural foundation and the purpose for the church. It is in everything that we do. We serve God through worship. But we also serve God by serving others. And uh, that's 
part of our mission, of what we do. In fact, as I said, that's our mission statement. You know, the statement that takes the, the sound doctrine of God's word and makes it a statement for us to follow uh, helps us to understand that there are four purposes besides worship that God has delivered to the local church. And here they are. Uh, we serve God by serving others through evangelism. That's in your notes. Through evangelism. That's one of the purposes of the local church. The Great Commission calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 1 uh, gives the final statement that Jesus gave to the church before he ascended into heaven. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. You know, every church is a sending church. Every church has been commissioned by God. This commission was given to us, not just as a church, but to us as individuals. We are to connect with our Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you've looked at the map lately. Probably not, because you all use GPS, right? How many of you have actually used a map in the last year, an actual paper map? All right, everybody look around. Okay, every one of them is, oh, except Brandon and Anna. They messed me up. And Alita. Alita's used a map, a paper map. You don't even know what a paper map is, Alita. Get out of here. Get out of town. You're messing up my illustration. I don't like it when people mess up my illustration. Yeah, most, most people on a paper map uh, say, well, where is Jerusalem? Well, uh, this is not talking about the Jerusalem that's over in the Middle East. This is talking about, for us, our Jerusalem. And, and for you and for me, that means personally bringing the light of Jesus to our own families, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our classmates. And we're also to connect with our Judea and Samaria. Uh, once again, it's not talking about geography. That's talking about evangelizing locally in our community and among peoples of a different culture within our own community. I'm thankful that as we hold service in here this morning, the next door, Pastor Arturo in our Spanish ministry is passionately preaching sound doctrine as well. Uh, so we've got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then we're to connect with the ends of the earth. And that means we are going globally to people groups all over the earth. I heard a stat the other day that blew my mind, and I didn't really realize there are still over 3,000 people groups on planet earth with no church and no portion of scripture in their own language. Evangelism is one of the core purposes of the local church. So worship, evangelism, but also not only through evangelism, through fellowship. And, and fellowship isn't a potluck, okay? By the way, I hate that word. Uh, if you ever want to gross me out, say potluck, okay? It just it sounds gross, right? It's like, what's in this pot? Ooh, I'll try it. Uh, it needs to be not just potluck, but pot purpose, right? There needs to be a purpose pot. Somebody need to make chili on purpose, not just say, you know what, what's in this can? Let's dump it and take it to the church. We'll take it down there for the potluck. Because I've been to some potlucks where that happened. Not saying it's ever happened here. We've got some good cooks at this church. But fellowship is more than that. Fellowship is bringing people into connection 
in the family of God. In the church of Jerusalem, it said in Acts 2 that they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day, they were added to the church. Fellowship is bringing more people into relationship in the body of Christ. So there's evangelism, there's fellowship, and then there's discipleship. The Great Commission begins with going to all the world, but it continues with saying this, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. When Jesus first called his disciples, he asked for very little commitment. It was a come and see offer. Yeah, they said, well, Jesus, where do, where do you live? Or where's your abode? And he said, come and see. Come and see what I'm doing. Come and see what my daily ministry looks like. But as those disciples walked with him over time, and they watched others depart, and they watched people who had had miracles worked in their life not even say thank you, as they walked with him over three years, the commitment grew stronger until finally Jesus said to them, take up your cross and follow me. And discipleship took them from come and see to come and die. Come and be willing to die for Jesus Christ. And that's still what discipleship is. Discipleship is moving people from come and see to come and die. Come and give your life for Jesus Christ. But then, after discipleship, there's ministry. You know, Jesus summed up the entire Old Testament with the great commandment, which we already mentioned, and the second commandment. Well, you guys remember that one? Love thy neighbor as thyself. And the second commandment is one of the core purposes of the local church. It is the basis for all ministry. That's what the 59 one another's are for in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. Sound doctrine tells us that worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry are the mission of the local church. And our vision is to bring glory to God. Our mission is to serve God by serving others, to act out the purposes of the church. And then there's the how. Okay, so the strategy is the how of Centennial. How do we take the purposes that God has given to the church and translate that into Caldwell, Idaho in 2017? And we have said it this way, be a serve church. Now, I'm going to give you a brand new acrostic this morning that describes our strategy. Right? And acrostics are great, uh, not in everything, but they're great once in a while to give us an idea of what we do. And so serve is five letters, and we're going to take each of the purposes of the local church, and we're going to talk about how do we do this here at Centennial right now this year. The S is this, strategic engagement with our community. Strategic engagement with our community. If we do not intentionally, purposefully engage with our community, it won't happen. You know, uh, back in generations gone by, there were methods of evangelism. They would sometimes have uh, citywide tent revivals. Yeah, anybody ever been to a citywide tent revival? See, not, not very many people, maybe a couple even in this room. So it's been in a generation gone by. 
many, many weeks they would go, and they would go and cold call on doors and talk to people. Yeah, that's still something that can be done, but in the generation that we live, it's not done as much just because people are not really receptive to, to strangers knocking on their door at times. Yeah, uh, but it's still something we do when we pass out flyers, we talk about things we have coming up. But you know, to be intentional in, a, in this age, in 2017, to go into our community, there has to be some purpose and some strategy behind it. And we have to be connecting with people. And we have to be connecting as a church. One of the ways we have to do it is through social media. As much as I hate to admit it and say it, we have to do it through social media. For the longest time, I was totally anti-social media. And, and then I, I got onto Twitter a couple years ago, and I found out that I got information pretty fast there, and I kind of liked it. And then I was in a staff meeting just a few months ago, a couple months ago, and I was talking about this thing, strategic engagement with our community. And our church staff said to me, if you don't have social media, how do you expect to connect through social media? Well, I don't really want to connect through social media. All right? They said, but, but if you don't have it, how will you connect? And, and how will you know what's going on in other people's lives? Because in this culture, the way that they connect many times uh, the, the younger crowd is through social media. And by the way, I've seen people in their 70s and 80s here at church who say things on social media, right? So they connect that way too. And so they finally forced me and I became a Facebook person, right? So now I'm on Facebook. And, and so now I can connect with people through social media. See this? Angie's one of them. She is always on there encouraging people. And I see her telling people, You're, you look beautiful and this is great and wonderful. And she, she's having an influence on people. Now, you say, Pastor, we couldn't do that. We could if it could reach people for the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And if we could connect anybody from our community to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should do it. That's strategic engagement. And basically another way to say it, and some of you don't like this when I say this, but it's absolutely true. We should do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. Anything we could do short of sin. Even if it's uncomfortable for us. Even if we don't really like to do it. If it's not told by God as a sin, we should do it. We should do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. Yeah, and I didn't hear a whole lot of amens, so I know that you don't like what I said. But it's okay, it's still true. I come prepared to amen myself. That's what my pastor said when I was a little kid. All right, he said it in every service till it became old. Uh, here's the E of the acrostic. Earnest and authentic worship. And we already talked about how worship is more than a song. It means both private worship and public worship. Private worship needs to happen in our lives every day. We need to come before God and meet with Him and read His Word and pray and connect with our God. And public worship happens when we meet together. And when we meet together in public worship, uh, we want to glorify the Lord. The R, real connections in small groups. Real connections in small groups. Now, this is biblical, okay? 
If you read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, 4, and 5, yes, they were meeting at the temple whenever they had a chance, but they were meeting daily from house to house. They were meeting in cell groups, smaller groups of people, where the gifts of the Spirit were being lived out in smaller groups of people, where they sat in circles instead of rows. Okay, have you ever noticed when you sit in rows that everybody's listening to the same guy? Right? When you sit in circles, everybody has a voice that God has allowed to use the spiritual gift that he's given them. And uh, so that's why small groups are so important. We have to have real connections. The V, visible faith in next steps. Visible faith in next steps. This is where discipleship at Centennial is taking place, where we can see church growth and health, and we move people from a starting point, and we bring them into discipleship, and we bring them into groups, and we bring them into ministry on serve team. That's what the E is. Every member a minister through serve team. We have to serve on purpose, or it won't happen. And, and so that's a review of the sound doctrine that we've been given as a local church. Now, I want to take these 10 verses that we read, and I, I hope that we can use them this morning to show how God wants us to take sound doctrine and use it in our lives, because uh, we are to be given the whole counsel of God, right? And we've given you some concise sound bites this morning, but we need to get in the Word, and we need to have sound doctrine. Verse 1, speak the things which become sound doctrine. Here's what that means. Filter your words through good doctrine. Before you speak, allow your words to run through the sound doctrine funnel. And ask yourself the question, does what I'm saying become sound doctrine in my life or in the lives of the people around me? You know, there are other great thoughts and word filters in Scripture. Uh, I love the one in Philippians 4 where Paul said this, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's a scriptural, spiritual filter for your thoughts. It's a way that God wants you to take captive every thought, as he said in 2 Corinthians 4, and bring it into obedience to the Spirit of God by using that filter. And so that's what verse 1 is about in Titus 2. Look at verse 2 again. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound of faith and charity and patience. Now, if I were to ask you, which one of you are the aged men? Right? Now, some of you are pointing to people right now. That's rude. You should not do that at church. Yeah, it's just really rude that you do that. But if I asked you if you're one of the aged men, some of you would probably think, well, I kind of think I maybe might be now. Uh, but, you know, it's not what we think. This is written to the mature men, uh, but it's not how we think of it. Yes, we should respect those who physically have matured and, and have they're, had their hair turn different colors, uh, particularly white, or maybe they have lost their hair. Uh, but this was given to men who had grown in faith. 
This was given to men who were no longer baby Christians. They were past the milk drinking stage. They could handle the meat of God's word. They weren't just in it for themselves. They didn't have itching ears where they just needed somebody to tickle their ears every Sunday. They could handle firm preaching without getting offended. And I tell you, sometimes when you're preaching truth from a platform like this, you can look out in the audience and you can see people begin to puff up. And I was reading in the Bible in Corinthians one day about this term puffed up, and I didn't know it was a real thing until I preached. And I preached and I could actually see people puffing up. And you're preaching on uh, love or kindness or communication or whatever it is, and you just see faces begin to puff up. You're like, whoa, I didn't know that happened in church. You ever seen the, the blowfish that does that? Can't help people look in church sometimes. Yeah, but the aged men, were, they're there, as Paul says, and we said this in your notes, to authentically and patiently love with sound faith. Boy, we need some men in the Christian church in 2017 to fill this role. To patiently, not, not to be the, the older person that says to every young person and every new idea, get off my lawn. But to say, I love you in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be patient with you. And even if we don't like the same kind of music, and if we, even if we don't like the same kind of sports, I like football, you like skateboarding. Well, I still could love you in Jesus Christ, right? Uh, unless you were a Seahawks fan. Uh, I'm just teasing. I just said that totally for Jim. Cause it, now, he won't get puffed up. He can take hard preaching, right? That's hard preaching right there. may not be biblical preaching, but it's hard preaching. You know, we need some mature men here at Centennial to take young men, young fathers, young husbands under their wing and to authentically and patiently love them in sound faith. Don't make decisions based on what you think a person's potential is. Make decisions based on what God's potential is for that person. And I promise you that God has better plans for every person in this room than you could ever possibly imagine. God wants to do great and amazing things for the people in this room that we look at and say, oh, he wears baggy jeans. God can't use him. Because that's what we do, right? Oh, he drives an import. God can't use him. He sped in the church parking lot. I'm not going to spend any time with that kid. Right? That boy, he can't even keep his two-year-old from screaming at Walmart. I'm not going to have any patience with him. You know what? Grow up. Be a mature man in Christ. Because there's a lot of older men who are babies in Christ. And they're still drinking milk. And they're not feeding on God's word on their own. They're relying on a pastor every Sunday to come and change their diaper and give them a new bottle. And during the week, they're doing nothing. And you know what? By the next Sunday, your diaper stinks, man. You need to change your own diaper and start eating something other than baby food and get in the word for yourself. This is preaching, isn't it? This is preaching? I come prepared to amen myself. Right? What they used to say in my day when I was growing up, they would say to the pastor at times like this, pull over and park! Right? I don't know if we need to pull over and park, so we'll move on to the old women. How many of you are old women? 
I didn't know that anyone raised their hand. It actually happened. It's amazing. Verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now this is to the mature ladies. <clears throat> you know, these were ladies who had grown in faith. And who also may have their own children, but that's not stated in this verse. Didn't have anything to do with whether or not you had kids or not. It was God saying, I want you ladies to teach good things with your lifestyle. Now, don't teach negativity. Don't teach criticism. Don't teach busybodiness. Teach good things with your lifestyle. Now, he wants you to model holiness, to model words that aren't gossipy and false accusing and tearing people down. You know, God's doctrine still works if we allow the Spirit to deliver it to our hearts. And, and so God has a special message for mature men. God has a special message for mature ladies. And then verses 4 and 5, look at this. The young ladies get two verses. This is amazing. That they may teach the young women to be sober. That's serious about God. <clears throat> to love their husbands. Now, why do we need older women to teach young women to love their husbands? Because culture is teaching them to trade in their husbands. Culture is teaching them that that's not a lifetime commitment. That if the, if the season in life gets bad and it changes, that you just walk out of it. And we need some people to stand strong in this, to love their husbands, to love their children. Why do we need older women to teach younger women how to love their children? Because younger Mothers, many times, want to strangle their children. Right? I say that in a loving way. <clears throat> right? You lovingly say to your kids sometimes, go play on the freeway, or I'd like to strangle you. You don't mean it. You really do care for them. But an older mother who's already been through that season in her life, she can keep it in perspective because she remembers when she used to say that to her kids. And she remembers when she called her kids by the dog's name. Right? She remembers all those things. And she can guide you and help you. And so these young mothers, they need this instruction that the word of God be not blasphemed. All of this. That they'd be discreet and chaste and keepers at home and good and obedient and, and submissive in their homes. And God has a tip for young ladies here. Yeah, ladies who are young in faith, ladies who want to know more about being good wives and mothers. Here's God's tip for you. I think it's right in Titus 2. Find a mature Christian lady who will model godliness and marriage and parenting for you. And this is so valuable. If you want to find purpose in your life, connect yourself to people who are spiritually mature, who can mentor you. It doesn't have to be anything formal. Find a lady you respect and ask if you can go to coffee with her. Now find a woman whose marriage seems to be working well. And spend time with her. And you know what she won't do? She won't be tearing her husband down the whole time. That's why you think she has a good marriage. She has just as faulty and just as sinful of a mate as any of the rest of you, but she doesn't tear her mate down to other people. See, that's what honor is. 
Honor in a marriage means I don't go to other guys and say, my wife this and my wife this, and the old lady, if she just that. Honor says, I treat her with respect with my peers and with my family members. And I don't call my mama up and say, my wife is blah, 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 blah. Because that messes up marriages. And by the way, young mothers and young wives, when you call your mama and say, my husband is blue, 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 that can mess up the marriage just as much. There are outliers. There are serious issues of abuse and things. You know I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is this. We've got to bring honor back to marriage. We've got to bring communication that is godly back to the marriage. And, and we've got to bring some things that God has core values on back to the Christian family. The culture is trying to shove a redefinition of marriage down our throat. The, the culture is trying to shove a remanufactured marriage down our throat. And God gives us Titus too. It says, hey, find someone who's walking the walk and hang out with them. And you mature ladies are supposed to be open to this. Find a mom who's experienced some life and learned from here. Verse 6, I think it's so unique because it's the shortest verse, and it is to young men, and I like this. It makes perfect sense. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Here's what it's saying. Young men, get serious. Quit playing around with your future. You're 30 years old, for crying out loud. Get out of mom's basement. Quit playing Xbox all night when you have three kids. Grow up. I just heard an amen. <laughs> I've come prepared to amen myself, but somebody jumped in. Hallelujah. Listen, young man, is what it's saying is quit wandering aimlessly. Get some purpose in your life. Don't waste the one and only life that God has given you to serve him. So many young men think that they can put effort into serving God later in life. They're like, I'm going to have fun now for a while, and then when I get serious about God, I'll put some effort into it. But here's what they don't understand. That if you try to build a serving God life on a not serving God foundation, the building will never get built. You have to start with a serving God foundation. When does that start? Today. It never starts tomorrow. It has to start today. You have to be present, young men, and get serious about serving God. Verses 7 and 8 for all of us. The older men, the older women, young men, young ladies. Verse 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Here's the key word in verse 7. Look at it. In all things showing thyself. See, this is personal. You have to make it personal. You can't teach what you don't live. Paul told Titus, you have to show yourself a pattern of good works. You have to live out your doctrine. The way that you show your doctrine isn't corrupt is by having a life that's not corrupt, by getting serious about what God has for you. And then we get to verses 9 and 10. And it's to the servants, to the employees, to the laborers. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. 
not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Now look at the end of verse number 10. The end of this verse is so powerful. That they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. We are to wear the doctrine of Jesus in everything we do. Doctrine is not a theory that you can quote and read books about. Doctrine is a lifestyle of living out God's truth. You read Titus chapter 2, the first 10 verses. Here's what you find. God has a message for every person in that passage. God wants those who are far from him to come and find redemption in Jesus Christ. And he wants the young men and the young ladies to grow in faith. And he wants the mature men and the mature ladies to find people to invest in for the future. And to disciple and, and to uh, spend some energy and prayer and love in the younger generation. God did not allow you to get to be a certain age on this earth so that you can just hang out. Now there's a lot of people who get to a certain age and here's what they think. I did my duty. I invested in the church when I was younger, when my kids were growing up, and I did some serving in the church when I was younger, when my kids were growing up, and now I've gotten old enough, and I've got past the point where I should serve, and I'm done. Can I tell you that is the farthest thing from the truth? God left you on the earth at the age you are so that you can take everything you've learned and put it into somebody else. Otherwise, it's going to be wasted. Many of you knew my grandmother, Trudy, uh, my dad's mother. And when she was in her 80s, she decided to write a book. And she came to us and said, I've decided to write a book about my life. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then she said this. She said, I've decided to write a book about my life because I don't want everything God has done in me to go to waste. I don't want all the stories of how God has moved in my life and my faith and shown me lessons to go to waste. I want to put it down for the next generation. And God may be calling you from Titus 2 this morning to get your life back in order, to set in order some things that are wanting, and to get into the sound doctrine of this local church and begin to grow and to teach, and to grow and to teach. If you're still alive on this earth, God wants you to keep growing. If you're still alive on this earth, God wants you to keep teaching. Teaching is not just a spiritual gift. Teaching is a one-on-one discipleship where we live around people and we show them how faith works and we pray with them and we mentor them and we love them. I'm going to take this morning and pray for us as we close. And we're going to pray for the five biblical purposes that God has given our church. Worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry. And we're going to pray that we would each be involved, every one of us, in those five purposes. And I tell you this, if you're here today and you're not a child of Jesus Christ, you're not a child of God, you've never given your heart to God, I want you to know that we could take the scriptures 
and we can show you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can begin to walk in faith, and you can begin to grow in faith. And maybe you're here for the first time, and you say, Pastor, I, I don't know if I like the preaching you did today. It seemed like it was hard. And I tell you this, I could show you some preaching that's about 50 times harder. Yeah, it gets really rough in some places. But I tell you this, the Word of God is rough. The Word of God is like a fire and a hammer. Have you ever had somebody burn you with a fire? Does that feel pretty good? Do you ever hit your thumb with a hammer? Does that feel really good? The Word of God is like a fire and a hammer, and it's like a two-edged sword that pierces your heart. And sometimes we need God's Word to do surgery on our lives to cut off some of the rotten tumors that we've grown in our heart and to come back into the right fellowship with Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we have asked no question of these people. We've had no one raise their hands. We haven't given a formal come-to-the-front invitation. But we have said that we want the Spirit of God to be free to work. And Spirit of God, would you come upon this place and these people right now, and would you come into our hearts, and would you shape us and mold us into what Jesus Christ wants us to be? I pray that in the area of worship, that we would be the church that you want us to be, and that we would be the people that you want us to be, and help us to worship with, with you through this week, every day. God, in the area of evangelism, I pray that you would give us a heart for our community. Help us to, on purpose, meet people and connect with people and see every intersection with people this week as opportunities given by you to reach them for Christ. God, I pray that fellowship would be on our hearts and those who have never followed you in believer's baptism would take that next step of obedience. Those who need to join with the local church would take that next step of faith. Those who need to grow in their lives would begin to fellowship with the body of Christ. Lord, we pray that in the area of discipleship that we would each continue to grow and that we would also continue to teach. And we pray that you would help us to be faithful in ministry, that every member, every attender, every person that's involved with this local church would be a minister of your grace, not only on Sundays, but throughout the week, that we would serve you in the way that we should, whether we are mature men, mature ladies, young ladies, young men, whatever it is that you've called us to do, I pray that we would open our hearts to your love and to your working. Bless us now as we go through this week and help us to be what you've called us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, just sit right there for a second. Pastor Cole's going to come with a couple of announcements.